The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to For the Love of Reiki with Paula Vale. Reiki has been proven to bring you balance and peace as well as improve your health. It's a healing method that works with other alternative methods as well as conventional medical practices to encourage and enhance personal healing on a number of levels. Now, to tell you more about Reiki and better health, here is Paula Vale. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of For the Love of Reiki the show that gives insight and knowledge of Reiki and various other healing modalities through sharing information and experiences. I am your host, Paula Vale, and I am honored today to have with us Jim Ewing. Jim is an award-winning journalist and author a workshop leader and inspirational speaker in the fields of mind-body medicine. He is the author of seven books on mindfulness and alternative health. Later in the show, Jim will share a little bit about his upcoming book as well, Redefining Manhood, a guide for men and those who love them. Jim, first off, I want to say welcome and thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here. Wonderful, and we're just so happy to have you here. Let me uh, start off with, can you share with us a little bit of your history and what brought you into both Reiki and shamanism and what prompted you to combine them? Well, it starts off really the way, as a child, I uh, I had dreams that uh, seemed to come true. And um, it was sort of an awkward um, ability for me to have. Um, shamanism was really what I grew into out of this uh, ability. I've written about it in several of my books. But um, I'll give you an example. One time when I was seven years old, uh, my mother took me down here. I live in Mississippi now. I was, grew up in Tennessee. And we had relatives in Mississippi, and um, when I was seven, we, my mother and I rode on the Greyhound bus down here to visit relatives, and it was one of those locals that stopped at every little town. And uh, we stopped at a place, and I told my mother, I said, I've been in there before. And uh, she looked at me and laughed and said, uh, well, uh, no, you haven't. And I said, well, uh, yes, I have. I've, I've been in there before. And she said, okay, well, Mr. Smarty Pants, tell me what's inside. And I said, okay, well, I described everything that was inside there, the counter and the clock behind the counter, uh, the uh, magazine rack, the magazines, uh, just features about the store. And she said, okay, well, let's just check that out. And so uh, we got out of the bus and went inside, and it was exactly as I had described it because I had dreamt it. Well, uh, she had a hard time accepting that, and we got back on the bus, and she didn't say another word for uh, probably an hour or so. 
<laughs> yes. But that was just one example. But um, growing up, I had this ability, and I, of course, I couldn't control it. It just happened, you know, uh, at odd times and so forth. But uh, a lot of these things, which I could do back then as a child, I can't do anymore. I'll say that. But uh, for example, one of the things I did was I could read minds, and uh, it particularly would come through. Uh, sometimes I'd be with a friend that if I wasn't looking at them, we're sitting side by side, I would answer a question, you know, that they were thinking and hadn't said it. And of course, uh, as a um, adolescent, you know, talking with girls on the phone, I, that that came through, and and that was terribly embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, oh as a consequence, this was uh, things like this were were things that that I stuffed down I, because they were just so embarrassing. They led to such awkward encounters. Uh, frequently, I would dream things, particularly if they were traumatic, and uh, if it was about someone or something, I would tell them about it, and they would, uh, you know, laugh at me or say that you know that can't be true, and then it would happen. And then they get angry at me, you know, like I had caused it or something. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this ability that I had as a as a young person was uh, difficult to deal with, and, and didn't make me a very popular person either. <laughs> so um, anyway, and, and it was just, I bet uh, we're boy. <laughs> what did you think when this was happening, and and you were seeing others weren't doing this? That must have just been mind blowing. Well, why is this happening to me? Well, it was. You know, when you're a child. Or a young person, you don't have that ability of self-discrimination that you can look at things objectively like that. I mean, as far as, you know, I have this ability. To me, it was just something that happened that that was just uh, excruciatingly embarrassing. And and so um, it was uh, something that I didn't, I kind of pushed into, uh, you know, my shadow self, you might say. I didn't want to acknowledge it. When it happened, I would just... Uh, you know, get angry and internalize it and things like that. It wasn't a very good thing. Uh, you know, in our society, we don't have a, a way to train or teach or allow or accept or allow to, young people to accept these things. And so one of the reasons, you know, I've written seven books is because uh, explaining these things, if you read my books, you see that they, they all explain things of, of, of different occurrences and how they happen and why and so forth and how to work on them and build them and so forth. So um, uh, particularly in my, in, there's one of my books, Healing Plants and Animals from a Distance, uh, is, is where I go into a lot of uh, detail about that. But, um, but anyway, this, uh, I always had this sort of ability. And in um, 1992, um, I uh, I I used to be a a, a good old boy, you know, <laughs> and um, and I fell out of a deer stand and I shattered my left leg, and the doctors uh, didn't know if if I would keep my leg or not, and so the last thing before they uh, wheeled me into the operating room, uh, you know, I'd sign a paper, you know, acknowledging that I may not, they may have to take off my leg. So um, so when I woke up, my leg was there. But they had put it together with 19 pins and 8-inch steel plate and um, all kinds of what they call cadaver glue, you know, for the, to put the little pieces of bone together. And um, I had learned how to walk all over again, and I spent a long time in a wheelchair and so forth. But um, that really dramatically changed my life in a number of ways, uh, the most dramatic of which was that it put me on the healing path. And 
um, the uh, uh, I had to. I went through some pretty uh, hard times and some bad times, uh, you know, involving um, pain. I had uh, chronic and unremitting pain in my left leg. I, I actually had wished that they had taken my leg off because uh, it wasn't a question of. If it hurt, it was a question of how much. And so um, I got into some bad ways, you know, with uh, alcohol and pills, you know, pain pills, prescription pain pills and things like that. And I had to straighten myself out from that. And, um, you know, at the time it was pretty terrible. But um, looking back on it, uh, you know, that actually was one of the best things that ever could have happened to me. And I tell people in my classes this, you know, I teach Reiki and shamanism and so forth, and because um, it it made me a more compassionate person, and it put me on a healing path. When, only when, when I could feel that pain and had to uh, confront my own uh, woundedness in all its dimensions, not just the physical, but the emotional and spiritual, um, then I became a whole, a, a more whole and complete person. And a lot of people have, you know, they think, well, uh, you know, when you you have hard times in life, that these are, are are terrible things, and they can be, they can be excruciating, but they also are opportunities for you to walk through them, and remake yourself as a better person. And of course, I could go into long, detailed analysis of how to do that shamanically with recapitulation and things like that. But for the purposes of just explaining uh, where I'm coming from, uh, this was, you know, Western medicine did not solve my issues. As a matter of fact, it exacerbated the, the worst uh, qualities uh, uh, of me, you know, my mm-hmm. uh, personality and so forth with, you know, with, the, with uh, you know, getting addicted to uh, painkillers and, and trying to deal with this pain and everything. Western medicine didn't serve me. And so the only place I had to go uh, to find healing was uh, to try alternative uh, uh, medicine. And now, mind you, again, I tell you, I was a you know I was a good old boy. I was a hunter and fisherman and all that. You know, I was in. I wasn't a very nice person either. I'll say that right up front. But when when I broke my leg, you know, that for me that was like. Um, uh, uh, Buddha under the the body tree. That was, uh, you know, the oak tree I fell out of was my path to enlightenment because uh, it. Uh, I had to search and find, and and it led me on a path, which is what all my books are, uh, of the various modalities that that I tried and things that that I was taught. And I had a number of teachers. They're both uh, what some people may call New Age teachers, as well as. Um, Native American teachers, and um, and in fact, I, I was given a name um, by a Katua, a type of a Cherokee elder. Uh, he gave me the name Pathfinder because um, it uh, I'd been down many paths. It's a name that's given to someone who has been down many paths, and sometimes those are not so good ones. And so uh, they can uh, give that uh, they can give knowledge. Uh, on ways to go and ways not to go. Uh, furthermore, the name uh, in Cherokee, Nunehi Awadaji, uh, he who finds the path, the part uh, path of uh, uh, Nunehi also is uh, immortals. So uh, it also means he who finds the way toward a spiritual uh, path, toward a spiritual way of being. And so uh, 
um, all my books are, are have the name Jim Pathfinder Ewing because uh, the books are um, what I've learned uh, in my path toward uh, healing and wholeness. So the shamanism no. part, the shamanism part was when reaching out to I uh, became involved with the Foundation for Shamanic Studies was one of the things and took their courses. And finally, uh, they said to me, they said, Jim, you're, you're, you're at all these courses. You know, I've traveled all over the country. I said, well, you ought to sponsor them, and then that way uh, you don't have to go anywhere and you don't have to pay for them. You'll make money. <laughs> so for a period of about uh, five years, I sponsored uh, workshops on uh, shamanism with the Foundation for Shamanic Studies, and, uh, and I organized them and so forth. We had them in Mississippi, Tennessee, and uh, down on the uh, line there with uh, Louisiana, so uh, so I did that, and then uh, because of what I was learning from my uh, native teachers, uh, I belonged to several Native American organizations, and eventually was uh, adopted into the Southern Cherokee Tribe and Associated Bands in Texas, and uh, became uh, their spiritual and ceremonial elder. So that I conducted, um, you know, the various ceremonies and so forth down there. So um, anyway, that's kind of where I'm coming from on the um, shamanistic side. Yeah. So um, you were going through what you were going through with your leg, the pain pills, and then was it that um, you were just reached out to and brought shamanism? into your life, someone recommended it, and that, or did you read about it and just say, I want to know more about this? Well, at that time, I had um, a, uh, a girlfriend, and she um, uh, had read this book. It was The Way of the Shaman um, from um, um, Dr. Harner, uh, Michael Harner, and uh, she read in there How to Journey, and um you know, I had the ability to see or to vision, but it was in dreams. I did not know how to journey using the drum. And she read that part to me, and we dug around, and she found a toy drum, you know, a kid's toy drum that she had mm-hmm. sitting around there. And, and so we tried it, and it, it was miraculous, and it worked. Um, i give you an example of, of one time years ago. People used to uh, ask me when I was a teenager, uh, people would ask me they would have problems and so forth, and and, and it kind of got around among some people that, that I could dream and help you know solve their issues or whatever. But so um, so I would what I would do back then was I would uh, whatever the question was I write it on a piece of paper and I'd either put it next to my bed or under my pillow and um, and see what dreams would come. And basically I was doing shamanic journey in dream time. But I didn't know enough to know that's what it was at that time. But the problem with that was it was very inexact and that I might dream that about, you know, one night or it might be next week or it might be next month, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, so when when I learned to journey using the drum, it was, uh, in other words, it just reactivated something I already had. It just sort of turned it on. And so... Uh, using the drum, which now, you know, I teach everybody. I teach it in my classes, uh, how to journey using the drum. And, uh, and anybody can do it. If you can daydream, you can, you can journey. If you can nightdream, you can journey. If you can, uh, just, uh, uh, have any type of imagination at all. And I, and I say that, 
uh, with knowledge that uh, that uh, that's how you do journey. That the the actual portion in your brain, which is the center of the brain that that does that has visioning capability, is adjacent to uh, the area of the brain of imagination. And so, if you set your intent to journey. Uh, then and then uh, you through a series of uh, you know I can walk you through it, but to um, uh, to imagine yourself journeying and imagine yourself seeing things, then what it does is it it activates this area of your brain so that in the beginning you may be thinking, well, I'm just making all this up, but what happens is that that uh, it's sort of like uh, training wheels. If you have a, a bicycle with training wheels, uh, when you start out, you know, you may rely heavily on the training wheels, but before you know it, you're riding the bike and you don't need the training wheels. And it's the same way uh, with the shamanic journey, that, that when you start, you know, doing that imagining part then uh, with the intent to journey, then uh, you can uh, begin to journey. That that sounds so fantastic. I my understanding with shamanism is that journeys and dream time is very very powerful. Um, we're gonna need to stop here for a commercial break. But what do you think about Jim? When we come back, would you like to walk us through a little bit of <clears throat> what um, everyone out there can do to kind of put that bit of a mindset yeah, and, out there to can... do a journey? Yeah, we can do that. We can also uh, talk a little bit about uh, combining Reiki with Wonderful. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Okay, we will be back in just a couple moments, everyone. Thank you, and thank you, Jim. Sure. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Are you looking to relax, improve your health, and find balance in your life? Then you need to try the wonderful healing powers of Reiki. Reiki is an energy healing technique that is based on the concept of life energy. At Wellness Inspired, located in Tacoma, Washington, we offer Reiki sessions in combination with other healing modalities to maximize the healing benefits for our clients. We also have one of the few crystal healing beds located in the Pacific Northwest. To learn more about how you can achieve better health and balance with Reiki, visit us at wellnessinspired.com. The healing modality of Reiki has become more recognized worldwide in both the areas of naturopathic medicine and Western medicine. Reiki not only benefits and heals the person receiving the Reiki healing energy, but also the practitioner. Learning Reiki can change your life and the life of those around you. Paula Vale of Wellness Inspired in Tacoma, Washington, has trained in Reiki worldwide and teaches all levels of Yusui and Karuna Reiki. Paula understands that teaching Reiki is both an honor and a responsibility. Go to wellnessinspired.com to learn more. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to For the Love of Reiki with Paula Vale. We would love to hear about your Reiki stories as well as your questions about Reiki. Paula will answer questions and share stories on the show. Please send an email to Paula at wellnessinspired.com. Again, that's Paula at wellnessinspired.com. Now, back to For the Love of Reiki. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to For the Love of Reiki. And I am here today with Jim 
Ewing. He is an amazing uh, shaman and Reiki master teacher. And he is going to walk us through a little bit of instruction on journeying and mixing Reiki with the shamanism. Welcome back again, Jim, and thank you. We're ready to hear some more wonderful information from you. Alrighty. Um, the way that the journeying with the drum works, and I would I would recommend that you uh, get a a CD or uh, it, that works real well as far as you know uh, drumming is concerned, and uh, you can get them from from the Foundation for Shamanic Studies. You can get them through uh, Sandra Ingerman if you're familiar with her. You can Google her. Uh, I actually sell them on my website too, blueskywaters.com, but you know you can get them all kinds of different places. Uh, the um, um, the way in which the the drum works, as far as allowing us to vision, is uh, that it lulls that little monkey mind that in your head, the uh, the little this always going rat a tat tat, all the little words and thoughts and all that that just uh, the clutter that runs through our heads all the time, and um, the the repetitive sound of the drum, which is in a fast beat, um, what that does is that the conscious mind uh, becomes lulled by it. And, uh, you know, it's the same facility that when you're, uh, for example, doing anything repetitive and you start to daydream and so forth, you're actually going into a visioning mode. It's just a, uh, what it does is it, it uh, lulls your, uh, your left brain, the analytical part of the brain, so that your right brain, the creative part, the, the dreaming part, uh, comes forward, and uh, everything in shamanism, the, the first rule, the first rule of shamanism, discernment, and that is the ability to know what you're doing, where your energy is going, and so forth. And so, uh, when you, and the second rule of shamanism is uh, in the journey, at least, and really, but about anything in your life is uh, your intention, that whatever your intention is, that's where uh, your thoughts go and where your body goes. That's where you, when you set your intention on something, that's uh, generally, uh, you don't even have to think about anything else. You set your intention to do something, you do it. Like if you have something on a table in front of you, like a pencil or something, you see the pencil and you want to pick it up, your, your hand goes to the pencil and picks it up without even thinking. But that's because you said your the intention was to pick up the pencil. Well, it's the same way with uh, with uh, visioning, and I'm going to say visioning rather than shamanic journey, because there there are some things that involve the shamanic journey, which it has a which are, are set a little bit apart. That is, it has a, a beginning, a middle, and an end. And uh, by that, uh, on the, in the shamanic journey. Uh, you will have you'll set your intention and then say put the CD on there with the repetitive sound. Your intention is to journey, uh, you know, to a place. And most uh, places, like the foundation teaches, is um, the uh, lower world, middle world, and upper world. And the lower world is is a, a place in non ordinary reality that's really like this one. But uh, you have the uh, you generally uh, see yourself going down into the earth before you get it. The upper world, generally you're going up into what you might call the heavens or so forth, where, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like Jack and the Beanstalk and like that. And then the middle world is this world, but seen uh, through uh, through your uh, uh, spirit eyes or seen uh, in, uh, in through the journey. And that is this world. Everything's a little bit 
different. Well, I used to live, I'll give you an example, I used to live, uh, we had a little bitty TV, you know, a little tiny screen, because we didn't watch that much TV. And but uh, but I really liked why should I go in there and I you know stare at the TV and and uh, so forth and and so when I would give classes in my house which I don't do anymore but uh, I would have people journey into the middle world and sometimes they go into the next room and uh, and it was a huge TV it would cover like uh, half the wall in non ordinary reality in the middle world because I'd given it so much attention you know, so much energy through my attention that in non ordinary reality it was very large. <laughs> wow. So things don't appear as they do in uh, non-ordinary reality as they do through our physical eyes. So, uh, but anyway, uh, so if if you want a journey, uh, I would suggest that you do read a little bit about it, and uh, and but understand you can understand that there are different ways to do this division, and um, I go into a lot of detail in that in my book, Dreams of the Reiki Shaman. And that is what I might call volume two to my Reiki shamanism book. My book on Reiki shamanism is called Reiki shamanism. But in Dreams of the Reiki Shaman, it goes into more detail about visioning, different ways of visioning, how to uh, uh, get this ability to, um, you know, to, to develop it. And incidentally, it's just been published in French. And you can, if you're in Paris, you can go and buy that book, which I'm real thrilled about. <laughs> Oh, I love that. I love that. I love your Reiki shamanism book. That's one of the books I have, and I just absolutely love it. So I'm going to have to get that for the, the second one. And with the what you recommended, what you mentioned about putting a question under the pillow, mm-hmm. is that something that you would recommend for yes. us? Yes, it's a, it's a good way to uh, go into dream time and journey. Um, I, I recommend that you, that you do discover your power animal, and that sounds like, oh my goodness, how could I possibly do that? I bet you, if you look around, you're going to see, uh, like, you, people ask me, they say, uh, I don't have a power animal, and you go into their house, and they'll have a, a wall full of figurines of owls, you know? <laughs> or they'll have uh-huh. turtles, or they'll have a, a big picture of a leopard on the wall, or they'll have raccoons on the, you know, pictures of raccoons on the refrigerator or something like that. Those are, uh, that, that there's a pretty good probability that is your power animal, okay, because you're, you're unconsciously drawn to these animals, okay, these, these animals that have qualities that you admire and qualities that you need. And it could be something that even as a child, like when you were small, uh, maybe you had a, a, a bear that you slept with, a teddy bear, and so the bear was perhaps your power animal. It could be a wolf, or it could be an eagle, or it could be anything. And um, these they come to us in in uh, guises of animals because that's what we understand. But they're actually powers of the universe. And some people might call these, you know, guardian angels or so forth. You know, uh, I mean, even though you do have angels that attend to you, uh, these these uh, we we all have. Uh, power animals that help us through our lives, whether we're aware of them or not. It's just something that's in our arsenal of uh, spiritual beings, our friends and family relations, soul brothers and sisters, they're non-corporal. And um, so anyway, I, I do recommend that you try to find your power animal so that you can journey even in dream time <coughs> with your power animal to protect you yes, and guide I... you and, uh, and and explain things to you. And I... you can... Well, you yeah. bringing that up, Jim, I my house, I have wolves all over my go. house. I uh-huh. have wolf coffee cups. I have, so 
unconsciously, it's looking like a wolves are a power animal. Right. right? That was probably that was probably your power animal. You're just not consciously aware of it. Our conscious minds are little peas in a bushel basket. Okay, uh-huh. and the, that's why I call it the monkey mind. Buddhists call it monkey mind. And that is, you know, it's so tiny, and it goes from here and there. And we, we, that's who we think we are. That's our ego, our personality. Mm-hmm. And so we think our ego, because it's in charge, you know, it's the one that, that we evolved with to keep us from getting eaten by saber-toothed tigers and things. We think that our ego is who we are, but that's not really who we are. Uh, you know, we are much greater than that, and our consciousness is much, much greater than that. Our consciousness actually extends through uh, multiple dimensions. So um, we have to instruct our, our little ego, our monkey mind, our personality to perceive uh, things uh, all around us that we are uh, that we filter out. We're 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 grown, you know, in our in particularly in Western mindset, uh, we have what's called the the meta programmer, which is uh, we're taught from childhood what we can see and what we cannot see. And, uh, you know, like every, you know, like I had little childhood friends, and I'll never forget invisible friends, and I never will forget that, you know, I would tell my parents about it, and finally my father sat me down one day and said, you don't really see these, do you? And I said, yes, I do. And he goes, uh, no, you don't. And I said, yes, I do. And he said, no, you don't, you know, <laughs> because he was afraid that, you know, I was, you know, crazy, okay? Mm-hmm. So most of my adult life has been trying to relearn how to see like a child, because that is, the child doesn't know enough what not to know. Okay, you know yes. uh, our children are born in this this uh, th- in, into the Earth School with all these wonderful abilities that uh, are are mind boggling. They're universal and they're uh, beyond anything in three D reality can uh, can handle. And they're taught to survive in this three D world. And part of that is is learning what not to see. And so we have to learn, relearn all these things. And, and if, if I had been born in another society where there was a society, say, of medicine people who saw that I could dream, they would have taught me how to develop this, that it's a natural God-given thing. And, uh, and some people, everybody has it, but they have it to greater or lesser degree. And um, and I actually have been blessed to have several medicine men who have taught me uh, how to see. Have, have seen this in me and, and have taught me how to do this, taught me ceremony, taught me any, any number of different things. So uh, we all have this ability, and if, yes, you can uh, put that under your pillow, put it next to your bed at night, and, uh, and, and see first, try first, see, uh, ask for your power animal to come, and see what, what occurs to you. You don't even have to put it in words like, I'm journeying. Just uh, see what See what occurs to you when you're lying in bed, say, doing your prayers or whatnot, becoming a calm and contemplative. Uh, see, you know, say, uh, you know, ask God, ask Creator, ask your guides and angels, uh, would you please you know, show show me my power animal? Let me see my power animal. And it might not happen right away, but you might see it in dream time. It could be that that in dream time you will be be running with running with the wolves, you know. Oh, and I'm there, there you have tonight, it. Jim. That yeah. is fantastic. Yeah. But on, on the, the Reiki, I want to go back a little bit to the Reiki. Uh, the Reiki, uh, uh, I was uh, uh, not too many years, a few years later, just a couple of years later after I fell out of deer stand and went through all that and got clean and sober and all that, um, I was at a shamanism workshop in Wisconsin. And, again, my old girlfriend was with me, and, uh, she, and we were sitting there, and I, and I told her that my leg was hurting me. It was really hurting and uh, a woman was sitting behind me at this workshop, 
And she tapped me on the shoulder. She said, excuse me, I uh, overheard. I hope you don't mind, but I'm a Reiki master, and if you'd like, during the break, I'll work on your leg. And I, I, I said, sure. And I thought, well, why not? You know, anything. So during the break, uh, we went into, you know, a little room next door, and she had me lie down, and she, you know, looked at me like, waved her hands over my leg, and the pain went away. Now, yes. this was an absolute stunning uh uh, a miracle. You know, I mean, here I'd been walking around for years with uh, chronic, unremitting pain. And, uh, and, and not that, you know, if it hurt, but how much it hurt. And the woman, to my eyes, well, you know, held her hands over my leg and the pain went away. And so I told her, I said, uh, ma'am, I don't know what you did, but I've got to learn how to do that. <laughs> when I got back, I looked around, and there actually was a, a Reiki master in Jackson, and she taught me, and uh, and I became a Reiki master there. And then I went to uh, Detroit and and uh, uh, learned from William Lee Rand, and uh, got Karuna Reiki. I learned every kind of Reiki I could possibly find, and <laughs> and, uh, and became you know a Reiki master. Every and, and started teaching Reiki and met other Reiki masters, and as a consequence, I've got so many different. Reiki and practiced Reiki and taught Reiki, but the thing was that that because of my shamanic background, it just sort of blended with it. And so, um, you know, I would find myself in dream time uh, uh, doing Reiki, and uh, and in the shamanic journey, I would see someone go to help help someone, and my Reiki would turn on in the shamanic journey, and so I would do Reiki on the person in the shamanic journey, and so um, so what I, so uh, you know by then I'd written some books. On uh, shamanism, and uh, and and uh, my publisher said, "Well, why don't you write about that?" And so I said, "Okay." So I wrote Reiki Shamanism. That was in uh, 2008, and um, so it's it's been a quite a successful book. It's gone in multiple printings. It's been published in English, French, German, Russian, and Japanese, and that's by far my best-selling book. Uh, but it's but and I explained in that how uh, actually I had to do a lot of research on it and where uh, Reiki came from and a lot of people don't understand that Reiki and what the whole function of the book is is that Reiki is an actual is a form of shamanism and if you were to go to Doctor Asui's grave in Japan which I have not done but I've seen pictures of it, uh, it the the kanji on his gravestone uh, translates into shaman who makes rain. That is amazing. I remember reading that in the book, and I had no idea. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, that. But I believe it because shamanism is, is it's the oldest medicine. Is that correct? That's correct. That's correct. Mm-hmm. At least yeah. 30,000 years old. I recommend that book to everyone. That, that book was, that is why I started um reading more and wanting to really study shamanism but but like you said reiki is it is it's life changing it is such a great thing well i am literally a walking example of the healing power of reiki and i tell all my students that when i had uh when when they supposedly you know with western medicine fixed my leg uh i had tertiary arthritis in my ankle and um and they told me I needed uh, an artificial uh, uh, joint, 
But at that time, the technology wasn't good enough to do it. And so that was part of the, the terrible pain I had was that arthritis. But now, uh, in the past few years, I'm not doing it to, you know, right now, but I've run in 5Ks. Which you know oh they told me I'd never. They told That's me I'd never, unbelievable. They told me I'd never walk normally again. And you're running. Oh yes. my goodness, Jim! <laughs> that is an amazing example of Reiki. Um, yes. I we do have to stop for a moment. We have another commercial break, but we will get back to everyone in just a couple minutes and continue with this beautiful, beautiful show. Thank you, Jim. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. The healing modality of Reiki has become more recognized worldwide in both the areas of naturopathic medicine and Western medicine. Reiki not only benefits and heals the person receiving the Reiki healing energy, but also the practitioner. Learning Reiki can change your life and the life of those around you. Paula Vale of Wellness Inspired in Tacoma, Washington, has trained in Reiki worldwide and teaches all levels of Yusui and Karuna Reiki. Paula understands that teaching Reiki is both an honor and a responsibility. Go to wellnessinspired.com to learn more. Are you looking to relax, improve your health, and find balance in your life? Then you need to try the wonderful healing powers of Reiki. Reiki is an energy healing technique that is based on the concept of life energy. At Wellness Inspired, located in Tacoma, Washington, we offer Reiki sessions in combination with other healing modalities to maximize the healing benefits for our clients. We also have one of the few crystal healing beds located in the Pacific Northwest. To learn more about how you can achieve better health and balance with Reiki, visit us at wellnessinspired.com. Your life, your health, your network. Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to For the Love of Reiki with Paula Vale. We would love to hear about your Reiki stories as well as your questions about Reiki. Paula will answer questions and share stories on the show. Please send an email to Paula at wellnessinspired.com. Again, that's Paula at wellnessinspired.com. Now, back to For the Love of Reiki. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. And Jim and I are talking about Reiki and shamanism. And Jim actually teaches uh, classes. And Jim, can we start out? Will you, can you tell us a little bit about the classes you teach and where they would go and that bit of information. Okay. For for years, I taught out of my home, but I don't do that anymore. Uh, now, I just teach. I teach Reiki shamanism once a year at Kripalu, which is uh, in the Berkshires of Western Massachusetts. And you can look it up at uh, Kripalu, which is K R I P A L U dot org. And if you look under Jim Pathfinder Ewing, uh, it'll say. Uh, you know what classes I've got or whatnot. Um, like I said, I teach every year. This is my. Uh, I just came back from my second year. Now last year uh, they invited me there, and uh, I had a three-day class on Reiki shamanism. And then, uh, but that and and but that was uh, a little bit rushed. And uh, if you're going to enjoy. 
Kavalu, which is a, a wonderful retreat center, uh, a spiritual retreat center with uh, walking trails and beautiful hills and, and fantastic uh, food and uh, just an incredible place. Um, you know, it's it's good to have more time to do that. So this year they, they invited me back to do a week-long workshop, and that was much better. We, we could combine the Reiki shamanism and spirits of the land so that we were actually um, doing the shamanic journey uh, and doing Reiki on each other and doing Reiki on uh, the land itself. We travel, you know, journeyed in the middle world uh, all around the place and uh, did Reiki like on the water and on the trees and on, you know, whatever we had. Uh, but we shared our stories, and that's one of the things that, that when I teach, uh, you know, I like having small classes I like having where everyone participates. You know, we sit in a circle because, you know, we're all uh, masters here. We all have something to share. We all have our own knowledge and our own inherent wisdom. And so uh, my job, I see, is because I have something that I can give, you know, I give what I have to give, but everyone in the student gives too. Uh, every student gives too, so that we're all sharing this with sort of a, a medicine wheel, a human medicine wheel, in which we're all sharing our, our stories and what we see. And, and, and I, I think that you'll find that most of the people who take my class are pretty happy with that, and, and they, so it gives them something to carry forward. But anyway, so I teach that I teach that once a year now, and um, uh, and I really enjoy it. But you know, I've been like I said, I've been teaching this class for a long time, and uh, it just got to be a little bit too much, you know, for me trying to you know arrange it and do it and do other things and so mm-hmm. forth. Plus, I'm branching out. I think I told you I've got a new book coming out, and I'll be doing uh, workshops on it too. Um, Tell us uh, about your new book, Jim. Okay. Uh, the the new book which you know I just finished and it's uh it's gonna be uh it's coming out in April. Uh it's called Redefining Manhood, a guide for men and those who love them. And um it's the the way it came about was there's a woman who uh has a retreat center here in Mississippi. Uh it's called the Mississippi Modern Homestead Center and um and she's been after me for years to do a men's class. They have a a women's uh, retreat, and uh, it's very empowering for the women who go there. And so they they wanted someone who could teach a men's class and do the you know same for the men. And um, and and she kept asking me, and I kept saying no because there really weren't. I didn't agree with the books that were on the market. That uh, you know the archetypes that they use are outdated. You know kings and all this kind of stuff. They just don't fit with our society anymore. And they're all uh, patrilineal and patriarchal and so forth. And that, that doesn't fit with the way in which the world is moving and the way in which really indigenous people have, you know, for thousands of years, and actually people all around the world, uh, you know, have had more balanced uh, societies. And so if you want to, in my opinion, if you want to have uh, teach uh, men how to be uh, compassionate, thoughtful, and strong, uh, which is, you know, my way is a way of peace. You know, I would see that is a way in which men should be, rather than uh, to, to be uh, holding men up as being thoughtful and brutish and violent. Uh, you know, those are those are. You know, if you look, at, you just pick up the newspaper and uh, who are the great heroes? Who are the ones making all the money? You know, they say tut tut, but what? You know, they're they're rewarded for behavior like that. And if you look at the literature on men's retreats, most of them do have this archetype of being, uh, you know, violent or being the wild man or being an irresponsible person and that's not that's that's just not a mature way of, of being and it's not a balanced way of being and doesn't fit 
you know, with the honoring of the earth, honoring of, 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 of women, honoring of children, honoring of families, which uh, is, is the way in which, in my belief, uh, Creator meant for us to be, to, to see the world in a balanced way, what's called right relationship in a native way. And so I told her, I said, there weren't any books like that. There's nothing that I could teach from. There would, you know, there's nothing I agree with. And uh, she said, well, it looks like you're going to have to write it yourself. And so I called uh, people who did these men's workshops, and I talked to them, and, and they said, well, no matter what you write, you know, you're, people are going to hate it. This thing is pro, it's pro-men, you know, there's going to be anti-women and all like this. And you're going to get, you know, people are going to get angry and hate you and all like this. And uh, so I thought, I really don't need that. You know, I don't need that. And so she asked me, and I told her that. Asked me again this last year. My third year she's been asking me to do this. And I told her that. And she said, well, what am I going to teach my sons? And that hit me. That hit me like a ton of bricks because her name's Allison Bueller, and I love Allison, her husband, and her children. And I thought of my son and my grandson, and I thought, you know, Jim, you have that name Pathfinder, not Path Follower. And if you're going to hold that name, then you have to live up to it. You can't, uh, you know, that's who you're supposed to be. So why should you worry about what anybody says? Do do the right thing, and uh, and let's do this. So. Uh, so I told her I would do it. So I, I wrote the book and got about halfway through it and uh, told my publisher about it. And uh, I figured he wouldn't like it. And uh, <laughs> and uh, he said, well, uh, he said, Jim, you know that your readers are women. Is this going to upset women? <laughs> Most of my readers are women. And I told him, I said, no, I don't think so. I think it's, you know, it's, it's long needed. It's what needs to be said, you know, to, that, that men and women are equals and they share in this world. And that, that's, you know, it's a balanced way of life is the way things ought to be. And he said, well, send it to me. Let me look at it. So I said, okay, remember now, it's just, you know, it's real rough. I haven't changed it yet. So I sent it to him and he sent me back a contract and I uh, signed it. And so finished up the book and it'll be out uh, April uh, mid-April, and that's when I'll have my first workshop. And I'll be doing, uh, actually, uh, it's going to be in two workshops, and, and uh, really three, because the first one I'm going to do up there at the Mississippi Modern Homestead Center is for men. It will be a men's retreat using the book and the exercises in the book. And then uh, a couple of weeks later, we haven't said that yet, but it's going to be for women. And that is so that they can uh, see this, uh, you know, like for my friend Allison, so that she can see uh, what what uh, men uh, men can be, and what uh, you know, what, and, and the exercises they can do that can help define them to be uh, better men, and see what you know. I'm not telling anybody how to be anyway, but what I do is I have exercises in there so you can see how you came to be the way you are, how you hold the concepts that you have, and whether and determine for yourself whether they serve you and serve the society in which we live now. And so that is going to be the second workshop. And then uh, on Memorial Day weekend, I'll be doing uh, John Rusky, who owns what's called Quapaw Canoe Company. He's a river guide on the Mississippi River, and he takes people on these uh, long trips on the Mississippi River in canoes. And so we're going to do one on the Mississippi River. It's going to be a three-day retreat for families. We'll have whole families that will uh, study the book and do the exercises and see, uh, where you know, where if they're where they want to be, you know, as far as uh, their thinking and their beliefs and their attitudes, and relooking at where they how they grew up and whether the things that were taught to them where they served them or not. So that's that's what I've got going. 
Oh, that is fantastic. Oh, I can't wait. That is going to be a huge book. That's Boy, that's going to reach a lot of people. That's exciting. And and the idea to go up the river, how fun is that? A little yeah. a fun something out there. I love yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Oh, Jim, I'm excited. I'm excited for that book. Thank you for sharing that. Sure. And um, as a, a Reiki practitioner, uh, something I, I love mixing in with my Reiki practice, and I also have a crystal healing bed. I'm very into crystals. Mm-hmm. Um, wh- do you use crystals with your Reiki and your shamanism? Uh, tell yes, us a little bit that. Yes, I do. Crystals are very important. And uh, I used to go uh, frequently and often to Mount Ida, uh, Arkansas, where uh, they dig crystals. And I would actually go and dig my own crystals. And so, uh, you know, crystals have been uh, very uh, useful for me, both in Reiki. You know, what you can use is uh, it's taught, uh, the uh, International Center for Reiki Training teaches this. It's where you use the, the, the Anta Karana uh, symbol. It's a, a very ancient symbol that uh, you can put down and put your crystals on. You, you uh, program your crystals, so that, um, uh, uh, and the way you do that is you hold a crystal in your left hand and you put your intent into the crystal, and then uh, you can put it in your right hand and use it to use whatever you want. But uh, that's how you program crystal. And then, but you can, you can put these crystals uh, on the Anta Karana. Of course, you don't have to use the Anta Karana. You can just use anything. You can, you know, put down a sheet of paper and put them uh, each of the directions, north, south, east, west, essentially making a medicine wheel, and put uh, the name of the person in the center of it and do Reiki on it. What happens is when you use the, uh, the long-distance symbol, which is also, uh, you know, like bank, it holds Reiki energy, you know, through your intent, you can have uh, the uh, long-distance symbol do it over the crystals so that it actually is like a time release to give to give Reiki energy to the person as much as they need it and when they need it for the period in which they need it, and that is very effective. I had a I used to have some clients that I worked on, and I don't do long distance work anymore. And I and the only people I, I work with now are, are old clients. I'm not don't take on anymore, but. Um, I used to have several on the the Choctaw Reservation near here, and uh, one of them, uh, his mother called me in the middle of the night, said he'd been a, in a car accident, and uh, they didn't uh, had terrible internal energy uh, internal injuries, and didn't know if he was going to survive. They're going to do surgery the next day, and so forth. Could I do anything? So what I did was I set up the Anzacarana, put the crystals on it, uh, did Reiki uh, on him long distance, um, and then uh, did the long distance symbol as a bank to hold. Reiki energy, and then um, the next morning I got up, and this is like 2 o'clock in the morning, and then I uh, got the next morning before I went to work and, and recharged it a little bit, went off to work, came back, uh, recharged it a little bit more, and then um, uh, the next morning I got a phone call from her, and I said, well, how is he? And, he, and she was laughing. She said, thank you, thank you, thank you. It worked. And I said, uh, well, what happened? She said, well, uh, they uh, they were getting ready to do the surgery, and they did another x-ray, and and uh, all the injuries uh, weren't there. Oh, my goodness. Oh, and she asked the doctor beautiful? how that could be, and he said, well, it must have been something wrong with the emulsion in the x-ray because it, the line's there, you know, it's not showing anymore. <laughs> yeah, I have heard that before. I've heard that before. <laughs> you know, you give someone uh, Reiki, they go back in, and the doctor's like, 
oh, well, that's shrunk or that's gone, you know. Right. Uh, we know. That's right. That's right. I mean, that's fine with me. If they want to, you know, they want to say that, that's fine. I mean, I'm happy and they're happy and everybody's happy, you know. So that's fine with me. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Yes. Um, I, uh, with, with the Reiki, um, I do a lot with d- animals. Do you do you mu- do much with the animals? Yeah, very much. So I used to do like I used to do, I used to do long distance work a lot. As a matter of mm-hmm. fact, I, I did you know I mean just almost constantly. And Spirit told me in 2010 to stop doing it. And whenever Spirit tells me something, I do it. And mm-hmm. I didn't know why. But I did it, and uh, then shortly thereafter, my publisher asked me and said if I had any, asked me if I had any books you know I wanted to write, and I said, well, yeah, as a matter of fact, I'd like to do a volume two on Reiki shamanism, based on all the classes that I had taught and students that asked questions, and you know just add to it. And so we didn't call it volume two because he didn't like that volume two, so we called it Dreams of the Reiki Shaman. So anyway, uh, Dreams of the Reiki Shaman is essentially volume two of Reiki shamanism. So uh, rather than doing it, see. I, I have a limited amount of time. I couldn't journey all that much to write a book, too. So um, so I, I spent that time writing that book. And at that same time, uh, my then-wife, we're not married anymore, but uh, my then-wife and I were uh, uh, had a small organic farm. And so we were trying, you know, doing organic farming. And so I really kind of delved into that. And, and that developed into a book, too. It's called Conscious Food, Sustainable Growing Spiritual Eating. And uh, and what happened? Looking back on, I see now exactly what it was that what happened was I was doing so much long distance work that I was out of my body uh, too much. You know, Creator put me here to be in my body. He didn't put me here to be uh, out of my body. I mean, that's fine to go, you know, go for a visit or something, but you need to come back in your body. You need to be here. You need mm-hmm. to be in your body doing the things that the body does, enjoying your body. You know, I mean, food and everything. You know, those are, you know these are all good things. You know, and, and you need to enjoy them. And and actually being pulled sort of into uh, my organic farming brought me back to earth, literally. I mean, it really grounded me. And so now I can see that I spent too much time doing long distance. But one of the things I did, and I write about it in my books, is doing uh, doing long distance work, Reiki shamanism, on animals. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a wonderful way to treat animals, just as well as humans. And they love it. And you can uh, actually, uh, you, can, you can converse with animals in non-ordinary reality. You know, like if you're just sitting there, you know, uh, say doing Reiki even, you might get some intuitive glimpses of what the animal is experiencing. But if you are actually in non-ordinary reality, uh, you are actually conversing with, with the animal and with the, or with a plant, which is, you know, like my book, um, um, you know, Healing Plants and Animals from a Distance. You know, that's what that's all about. It's all about working with animals and with plants. Yeah, yeah and the plants just really, I've read that, Plants given Reiki will have an eight hundred percent growth spurt. It's yeah, amazing. Yeah, and, and, it's yeah, amazing. When, when we were uh, farming, uh, people, you know, we grew, uh, we got into greens is really what what people really wanted to buy, and people just loved our greens and they couldn't understand why they tasted so good. Well, the reason they taste so good is because we're out there drumming and you know <laughs> and giving them and that singing love, and giving them Reiki love. and everything else. Yeah. You know, they're infused yeah. with. Uh, with spiritual energy, you know, the, the vibration rate of the plants was just, you know, through the roof. You know? <laughs> exactly, exactly. It just it just goes everywhere. We can use our Reiki everywhere. 
try. Well, Jim, we're about at the end of the show now. I don't know where our hour went. This was just so wonderful. I am so grateful. And thank you to all the listeners. And again, if anyone would like to email me with questions or stories, feel free at Paula at wellnessinspired.com. And if you would like more information about Jim, look at the show's description and everything will be there for you to, to look him up and, and see what his books are. And Jim, thank you so much. I am so grateful to have had you here today. Well, thank you, Paula. It was a great joy. Oh, thank you, and have a great day, Jim. Have a great day, listeners. Hugs and blessings to everyone. Thank you again for tuning in to For the Love of Reiki. Please join your host, Paula Vale, again next Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel to learn more about your better health. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 